0: Lord, I need you. That's, I hope that is your prayer this morning and, and every day. And if that were the prayer of every individual in this nation, how much better off would we be? Lord, I need you. And just singing, Lord, we need you. Um, how important that is. And to know that that's God's desire. That's what God, more than anything, wants to hear us say, that God, we need you. You created us, you made us, you sustain us. Without you, our lives fall apart on every level. But with God, you know, all things are possible. Lord, I need you. and Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us in that song this morning. I invite you to open your Bible with me today to the book of 1 John, chapter 3. We're continuing our series through John's letters. If you turn almost to the very back of your Bible, you'll find John's letters. We're in the first one. Chapter 3, verses 19 through 24. When I was a freshman in high school, in our English class, we had to read a story called The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. I don't know if you're all familiar with that or not, but it was written in 1843. It's a fictional story, so it was, it was a made-up account of a man who murdered somebody. And he hid the body underneath the floorboards of his house. And over time, the the police come to realize that this other fellow was missing. And so they go to this man's house to interrogate him and ask him questions. And so as they're sitting there, right over top of where the man had hid the body, suddenly the murderer begins to hear the faint sound of a heart beating. And the more and more the police talk to him, the louder and louder this heartbeat becomes. And in his mind, he's thinking... Not only do I hear this heartbeat, but I bet they do too. And they know the truth, and they know where the body is. And so eventually, his conscience gets the better of him, and out of guilt, he confesses to the murder. And the story doesn't tell us for sure whether the officers could hear the heartbeat, or whether it was all in his mind, or whether it was even his own heartbeat that was beating louder and louder, causing him problems. But the human conscience... It can really do a number on you. And even as Christians, that's something that we all deal with. The human conscience. And it can be a good thing. Sometimes we get out of line and sometimes we deserve a guilty conscience. And that guilty conscience can be, can be a benefit. But there are other times where perhaps a guilty conscience is there and it's not deserved. But yet it continues to weigh on us and weigh on us and burden us and burden us. And what do we do about those moments? Well, John tells us the answer is to seek assurance for your troubled heart in God's unfailing grace. Whether you are guilty or whether you are suffering a spiritual attack by the enemy, when your heart is troubled, the answer to it all is the gospel. Let your troubled heart drive you to God through Jesus Christ to find relief. I want to invite you to stand with me if you're able to this morning. We'll be reading from 1 John chapter 3 starting at verse 19. The Apostle John writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before Him in whatever our heart condemns us for God is greater than our heart and knows all things beloved if our heart does not condemn us we have confidence before God and whatever we ask we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight this is his commandments that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us the one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him We know by this that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given to us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, God, that we can come to it and find truth and find stability and find power. And Lord, as it relates to our hearts and this guilty conscience that we feel from time to time, Lord, we we pray that Your Word will shed light on whether or not the guilt is deserved or not and Our response in either case, Lord, should be to trust upon You and what You've done for us in Christ Jesus. And Lord, the evidence of that is a life that's lived in a way that pleases You. So Father, I pray through the preaching of Your Word today that You would empower each and every one of us to believe in Your Son, to love one another, and find that blessed assurance that we all need and that we all desire. We thank you that you provide that for us through your gospel message. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we've been looking through this letter, we have come to see that that John is concerned about false teachers in that church. And he's wanting to identify the true from the false, the, the true from the counterfeits. And along the way, we've seen that he's taken the fakers to the woodshed along the way if they're not believing the right things, if they're not living the right way, if they're not loving the brothers in the church the way they need to, he said those are evidence that their profession of faith is not true. And he's taking them to the woodshed over it. But also in this letter, we see John with a pastoral concern. He wants to apply the salve of God's truth to those who really are believers. Because in, in hearing these condemnations against those who are not true, the real believers perhaps could come under conviction and guilt of saying, do I really believe the way I need to? Do I live the way I need to? Do I love the way I need to? And could feel that burden placed upon them. And John's desire here is to show them if they are true believers, they can find comfort in the Lord. The theme of assurance dominates this text. If we go to verse 19, he says, we will know... By this, we will assure our heart before Him. Verse 21, He says, We have confidence before God. Verse 23, He says, It's through these commandments that we love Him, and, and, and through, the, through we believe in, his na- in the sa- name of His Son Jesus, and we love one another and obey Him. And the one who keeps this abides in Him. And He says, We know by this His desire is to provide assurance, blessed assurance to those who really are of the faith and how do we have that well he says first of all we can find assurance in God's power God's power not in and of ourselves not our own ability but God's ability in verse 19 is, is kind of a hinge verse between last week's message and this week we see at the end of verse 18 he says we are to love indeed and truth and then in verse 19 he says we will know that we are of the truth so the word truth as repeated there but also he says we will know by this we'll know by what You know, if we just jump in at verse 19 we'll know by what well what he just said the context of what he just said talking about loving one another loving our brothers and our sisters in Christ he says we will know by this if we are living and loving the right way that will give us assurance in other words we can have a triumphant heart a heart that's triumphant because of what God has done verse 19 we will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before God a heart that's triumphant of of trusting in Christ uh, having a certainty of salvation how do I know if I'm saved or not how do I know if I'm of the truth or not and that's the theme of this entire letter John spelling it out for us and loving one another a Christ-like love for one another A Christ-like service, and unselfishness for one another. By that, by this, we will know we're of the truth, if we're loving like Jesus. A triumphant heart. But sometimes we have a troubled heart. Verse 20, he goes on to say, he says, And whatever our heart condemns us, having a heart that condemns us. The word heart is repeated four times in these couple verses here the, the repetition uh, shows us the emphasis of this our heart, our, our inner nature our innermost being our, our thoughts who we really are on the inside you see we can put on a, a show for the outside but who are we really on the inside our thoughts and our conscience and sometimes it can be troubled and, and in this troubled heart it can be a helpful conviction as we just talked about earlier a helpful conviction when you get out of line when you disobey God's Word, when you sin, if you don't feel conviction when you sin, there's, there's a problem there. But when we sin and it's brought to our attention by God's Word, through God's message, when our sin is brought to our attention, we need to confess that sin. We need to be driven to the cross because of our sin. We need to take ownership of our sin means we don't pass the blame and and we don't try to justify it and we don't try to compare ourselves to others and their sins no we own up our own sin what I've done is wrong in God's sight we confess that and then we repent and we move on from that sin we separate ourselves from that sin and turn towards Christ helpful conviction is good it drives us to Jesus it ought to Continual repentance. But also our heart can be troubled because of harmful condemnation. A harmful condemnation. He talks about our heart condemning us and whatever our heart condemns us. That means, I think, doubting our salvation. Lacking confidence because our heart condemns us. Why why would our heart condemn us? he He just got done talking about loving one another. And maybe in that message... We realize our our shortcomings. I don't love the way I need to. I hold grudges when I shouldn't. I don't I don't love in action. I just express it in word, but when I have the opportunity I really don't step up and do anything. And maybe that begins to weigh on our hearts and and maybe we confess that to God, and instead of confessing that to God and, and moving on, we linger in that guilt. And it begins to weigh on us. And it begins to bear upon our hearts and our souls. And we begin to recognize our sin. And even though we've confessed it to God and asked for forgiveness, we don't let go of it. You see, what what the devil does when we sin, he comes and he, he condemns us. He comes and he begins to accuse us before God. And if we don't trust enough in the power of the cross... His condemning accusations will continue to wear on us to the point we feel like we're worthless. We feel like we're hopeless. We feel like there's no way God can forgive me. God can't use me. I-, I might as well just quit. We let the devil win when we don't trust in the power of the gospel. Harmful condemnation, it can cripple you as a Christian, as a child of God. We need to trust in The Lord, And that's the next point. We need to have a trusting heart. When our heart is troubled, we need to trust in God. Verse 20, he says, And whatever our heart condemns us for, because God is greater. He's greater than our hearts. Our hearts saying one thing, you're condemned, and God saying, No, you're not. You're forgiven. I've paid it all. Jesus died for that sin. You've confessed it. You're forgiven. And we need to trust in the power of God. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's greater than your heart. He's also omniscient. He, He sees all things according to verse 20. He's greater than our heart. He knows all things. God knows. He knows your repentance. If you've got a heart that's broken over sin and you confess that to God, He knows. And He loves you in spite of your sin. And through his power, he forgives us. And we need to learn how to trust in God. He understands you better than you do yourself, even your failures. And he loves you anyway. We need to learn to trust in God and trust in his, go- in his gospel. Speaking of trust, a couple weeks ago, we went and watched Lucas play baseball at Lycans Park. And we were climbing down off the bleachers and, and I was down on the ground and Nancy was up there and I said, here, jump down, I'll catch you. And she said, no. And I said, why? She said, I don't trust you. And I'm thinking, I, I hope she's doubting my ability and not my intentions, you know. It's one thing to say, I don't-, I don't trust that you can catch me, or I don't trust that you want to catch me. You know, it's two different things, you know. But we we perhaps done that in school or in workplaces where you do the trust exercise and you fall backwards. And, and I thought about maybe doing that here and letting some of you all catch me, but then I was like, I don't know if I trust you all that, n- that much. Wouldn't that be something? You know what the preacher did today? He fell flat on his back. You know? That'd be something. But anyway, trusting. Romans 8 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation, none, for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, trusting in Jesus, giving Him your life, surrendering yourself to Him. There's no condemnation, none. And even though we sin from time to time and and we confess that sin because of conviction, we trust in God through His power. It's gone. Let your heart be free in Christ. If you're not in Christ, let that guilt, that burden drive you to Him and then find freedom. A guilty heart, a troubled heart can be good or can be bad either way. Come to the Lord. He's greater than your heart. Rest in the power of God but John also goes on to show we can have assurance in our prayers in your prayers he says in verse 21 beloved beloved you're beloved by your preacher but also he wants them to understand I want you to understand you're beloved by God if you're his child by faith he loves you regardless he loves you in spite of you God loves you. Beloved, John, his, his, his concern, His compassion for those who are doubting their salvation because I'm not perfect. Beloved, He says. And He wants us to live a life of confidence. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us because God does not condemn us and we understand that in Christ, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. God's holy, I'm a sinner, yet because of the blood of Jesus, I have confidence. Not in my own ability, but God's power. I need to live a life of confidence. That He loves me. Even though I'm not perfect, His love is not conditional. He loves me. We need to live that life of confidence. Come to Him as a child to the Father. He already said back in verse 1, what great love the Father has for us that we could be called children of God. We have confidence because we come to God as a child does to his Father and not as a criminal before a judge. Our hearts, Satan wants to say, Yeah, you're guilty. Come before the judge. But it, the gospel says you're a child. Come before your Father. We have a life of confidence, we need to have a life of communication. As a child of God, we conversate with God. A parent wants to talk to their child. A child should desire to communicate with their parents. He says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, how do we ask of God? In prayer. In prayer. Whatever we ask, we receive from Him an ongoing life of, of asking and receiving, of dependence, of weakness and His strength. Lord, I need You in God's provision of saying, yes, I know You need me, and here is what You need. God provides that. That means we're praying. We're a praying people. We pray for the big things. Because we have confidence in God, we pray for the little things. The things we, we think that doesn't amount to a hell of beans. But we pray for it and God provides. Big things, little things, in between things. That means as God's child, we need to be spending time alone with Him. Look at Jesus, the Son of God. All through the Gospels, He kept separating Himself from the crowds. Jesus felt the need, yet Jesus felt the, the desire to be alone with His Father. Is that a hallmark of your life? I desire to be with God. I'm going to take time out of my busy schedule to pray. Somebody once said, you know, we're not too busy to pray, we're too busy not to pray. We need to be praying because we are so busy. Being alone with God like Jesus, and also in the, the early church, the book of Acts, they prayed corporately individually and corporately. That is a, a burden that God has placed on my heart that we're beginning to see the, the fruits of this. We go back to last Sunday. We had that designated prayer time for our nation. We had an open time of prayer and we prayed for 40 minutes as a congregation. And everybody said it, it felt like no time at all. Why is that? Because we as a church body need to pray together. The early church did and they saw miraculous things take place. They saw the power of God unleashed. They saw people saved, baptized, discipled, miracles taking place. And church, I want to see that. And God wants to provide that. But it only happens when we recognize our need for Him, come together collectively and pray together. We did that last Sunday. We did that Thursday nights. A cottage prayer meeting. We did that Wednesday night in our prayer time. It's an emphasis that God is placing on my heart. We need to be doing more praying together. Keep praying as an individual and let's have some more focused prayer time as a church and see what God wants to do. A life of communication. Notice what he says. Whatever we ask, we receive collectively. Plural. Whatever we as a church ask, we as a church receive. But then notice also he says says, we need a life of commitment. Verse 22. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because... The reason we receive is because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing to Him. In other words, you can't just live any old way you want to and expect God to answer your prayers. Go out there and live like the devil and expect God to pour His blessings upon you. Say, God, I've got a need for a supernatural intervention. Would you provide it? And then go out and and live like heathens. He says, because we keep present tense means our ongoing desire and our habit and our lifestyle is obedience to what God says. Forsaking sin and choosing what God says is right and pleasing Him. That should be our heart's desire, should it not? I just want to please God. Not myself, not my fellow man. As long as I please God, I know I'm in the right a life of commitments pray that you obey him pray that you please him with your lifestyle I remember asking somebody one time in my early stages of, of following Jesus You know, I, I want to pray for whatever I feel like I need to pray for but the Bible says we need to pray for God's will to be done how do you reconcile those two things and the answer was simple the closer you are to God the more what you want is what God wants if your heart's beating in unison with God, then what you ask for will be what God desires to give. It's His will. Praying God's will be done. And how do we know that we are praying that way if our lifestyle reflects that? Through obedience. Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will desire to obey me. John 14 verses 23-24 to Jesus answered and said to him if anyone loves me he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him he who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me love and obedience gives assurance to our prayers a Christ like love and service Christ-like prayer, God's will be done. Finally, we can have assurance of God's presence, a confidence that He is with us. Don't you want to know that? Whatever you're going through, you're not going alone. God's going through that with you. You can have that assurance as a child of God. It comes, first of all, by adhering to Him. Adhering, verse 23. He says, this is His commandment. He already said in verse 22 to keep His commandments. Well, what is that? Well, John says, well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Because here it is. Keep His commandments. First of which, believe in His Son. Believe in His Son. It's the doctrinal components to our obedience. Believe. There's the the verb for faith is there. Faith. What is faith? You say, well, faith is believing. Well, faith is first of all knowing the truth you can't have faith if you don't know the truth secondly it's acknowledging the truth saying yeah what what I've heard is really true and thirdly the most crucial step is trusting in that truth goes beyond just saying well I believe up here I believe there was a Jesus and I believe he died and rose again you know who else believes that Satan (laughs) Satan knows who Jesus is He's got probably more orthodox theology than you do. But the the kicker is the trust component. Surrendering based upon this truth. Giving your life and saying, it's all yours, take it. Make me more like you. That is faith. Saving faith. We need to believe in His Son. The only thing is believe in the name of His Son. His, His name, it represents His entire being. Who He is and what He has done. We believe in the name of His Son. Not just any old Jesus. You see, there's a lot of religious groups out there that say they believe in Jesus. Well, who is Jesus? He is God's Son. His Son. There's only one Jesus. The Bible says, according to the apostles' teaching... That He is 100% man and 100% God and any religious person that tries to tell you different is outside of the faith. They don't believe in the true Jesus. Believe in the name of His Son. God only has one Son. Only begotten Son. That's the Jesus of the Bible. This is His Son, Jesus Christ. The word Christ means Messiah. Messiah chosen one anointed one savior there's only one savior there's only one son of God and he's the one you need to believe in his person and his work that's what God commands to not believe and put your faith and trust in Jesus makes you disobedient to the command of God you are a sinner if you've not surrendered your life to Jesus believe in his son love his saints this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded love his saints it's equally important you can't say I believe in Jesus and not love the church because the church is the body of Christ he's the head the church is the bride of Christ and Jesus is the groom you can't love one and not love the other Love one another just as he commanded. You see, that's very repetitious. <laughs> all throughout John's letter, he keeps harping on it. Why do you think he keeps repeating himself? First of all, because it's important, right? Secondly, I believe that church had a problem with that. Love one another. Love one another. I, I said love one another. It's like you know, as, a, as a parent you got a child... And you have to keep repeating yourself. Think like a broken record. Brush your teeth. Come back. Later. Brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. You know, I don't care how obedient a child is. From time to time, they're not going to do what you tell them to do. And you got to repeat yourself. You—it like a broken record. I think that congregation was going through some of that with John. I think he was getting a little frustrated. Love one another. Don't you get it? It's important do it love one another love his saints and by the way saints aren't made by Rome they're made by God if you're saved you are a saint that's what the word means holy one you're made holy not because you're perfect but because Jesus is perfect and he died for your sins it doesn't take a Rome or a Pope to label you a saint it's faith in Jesus that does that adhering to him believe in his son love his saints next abiding in him if you abide in him you know you have his presence verse 24 the one who keeps his commandments abides in him remains in him what commandments he just told us believe in his son love his saints the one who does that have faith in Christ a faith that, that's a whole surrendering of our life kind of faith loving one another as He has commanded. The one who does this, the one who keeps these commands, present tense, constantly ongoing, the one who does abides in Him, remains in Him. And He in Him. Not only do we remain in Christ, but but Christ remains in us. That's how we know we've got the assurance of His presence. You can't separate abiding and obedience. If you're obeying the way you need to, that's evidence. External obedience is the evidence of an internal reality. If you love Him, you'll keep His commands. What are those commands? Believe in His Son, love His saints. You're doing those two things, you're abiding in Him, and He's in you. That's how we know His presence is there. Finally, we have the anointing from Him, and this is a very powerful truth. Verse 24 goes on to say, We know by this, we know. We've come to know there was something that we were ignorant of, but now we know this. As true Christians, we have come to this knowledge that by this He abides in us. How do you know God lives in you? By the spirits whom He has given us. That's an anointing from Him. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the evidence of His abiding. It's the Spirit whom He has given. The Spirit's a whom. It's not a thing. The Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit of God comes and resides in you. God lives in you. If you are a Christian, if you have your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes at that moment of regeneration, of being born again. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. He brings life to your dead soul. It brings you alive. He wakes you up. He he opens your eyes to the truth. He breathes the breath of God into your lungs and you arise brand new, regenerated, Holy Spirit does that. And not only does He, He stays in there. He doesn't just wake us up and say, there you go, good luck. No, He abides in us. And what does He do through that abiding? He seals our salvation. We stay a child of God because the Spirit's in there. He empowers us to serve God the way that God desires. He also testifies to our spirits our heart condemns us and it beats loudly and then the Spirit speaks and the closer we are to the Spirit the louder the Spirit speaks our heart says you're condemned and the Holy Spirit says you're forgiven condemnation, forgiveness condemnation, forgiveness the Holy Spirit abiding in us testifies to us Romans chapter 8 that we are a child of God and by the Spirit we cry out Abba, Father presence of the Holy Spirit. You know who else was filled with the Holy Spirit? Jesus. You see in the pattern here? We have blessed assurance if we love like Jesus. We have blessed assurance if we pray like Jesus. We have blessed assurance if we're anointed with the Spirit like Jesus. The more like Jesus you become, the greater assurance you have of your salvation. Isn't that amazing? And we can even take this thing and go backwards with it. I think John is kind of working in that direction, funneling it. Through the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to believe in the Gospel, believe in His Son. Through the Spirit, we're empowered to love one another. Through the Spirit, we have assurance in our prayers because we're obedient because of the Spirit. And because of the Holy Spirit and through God's abiding presence and our obedience through the Holy Spirit, we have assurance and our heart condemns us, but the Spirit's greater it all comes down to the presence of God in our lives. The Holy Spirit brings that assurance we need. So when your heart's troubled, whether it's because of sin or whether it's a spiritual attack from the enemy, when your heart's troubled, run to God. Run to Jesus. Run to the cross. And then trust that. Trust that promise from God. You see, even as a pastor, this is a struggle. Because you know you're not perfect. And you see your own shortcomings and your own failures. And you, you see your own inadequacies. You say, God, who am I? You mean I've got to stand up and tell people to do something when I myself sometimes fall short of that. And in that moment, God has to reassure my heart I am God. I've taken care of that. Repent, trust in me, and move forward. By not moving forward, we're saying, I don't trust the cross. By holding on to guilt when we've already confessed it, we've already repented from it, by holding on to that guilt and thinking somehow I've got to earn my way out of this guilt, by doing that you're saying, the cross ain't enough. Let go of it. That's why Jesus died. To take it all away. Got to trust. You see, your heart's saying one thing, and the spirit is saying something else. Jeremiah seventeen verses nine through ten. The heart is more deceitful than all else, and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart; I test the mind. Even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. See, the kicker is learn to trust Him and not your heart. Because Satan can use your heart to condemn you. And God says, I love you. Jesus died for you. Trust me. We have blessed assurance, not because of anything that we do, but because of who God is and what He's done for us in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Oh God, how we are so grateful that you are trustworthy that we have a God-breathed word the Bible it's your word it must be true because it comes from you you don't lie it must be powerful because it comes from you you're all powerful and Lord we do sin we acknowledge that we're selfish disobedient unloving ungrateful Every single one of us, God, we've got that sin nature that we struggle and we battle with every day. But the closer we walk with You, God, the more of the power of the Spirit is unleashed in our lives, the greater level of obedience and faith. And Lord, let that assure our hearts. God, if there's someone here today that thinks they're saved and they're not, I pray You convict the fire out of them today, God. Make them uncomfortable until they turn to Christ in saving faith. And Lord, if there is a Christian here today that's under conviction, I pray they would confess whatever that sin is to You and repent from that sin and turn from it. And then I pray that they would embrace the freedom and the forgiveness of the gospel and move on. And don't wallow in that sin. Give it to Jesus. Lord, we can have assurance of our salvation. Yes, there are false Christians. There's always been false believers or false professors. There always will be till Christ returns and separates the sheep from the goats and the wheat from the tares. It's inevitable. But God, if we are truly of the faith, we are truly those who believe in christ your son your only son if we are truly those who love your church then god assure our hearts today break our hearts god if need be build our hearts up today god if need be lord you are greater than our hearts you know all things you know whether we are right or wrong We trust You, God. We trust the cross to answer that regardless. Lord, if there be someone here today that needs to make that decision of coming to the cross, coming to saving faith in Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, lay it on them today. Make them miserable until they come to You and find relief. Whatever You're calling us to do, Lord, we need to be obedient. We pray Your Spirit moves as we sing in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?